Welcome back to the next episode of The Art of Data Science, where we help demystify the often confusing world of data, analytics, and the related areas of innovation, helping you in your journey to become more data and insights driven are your hosts, Bob Parr, Advisory's Chief Data Officer, and Dr. Srikar Krishna, one of KPMG's leading data scientists. Hello, Srikar. Hello, Bob. Good to see you again. Srikar, in our last episode, last last few episodes, actually, we've explored the different types of data and the various aspects of data quality. I think in this one, we need to go a step deeper and discuss how measuring and remediating data quality varies depending on those data types. For instance, structured data and unstructured data quality processes look quite a bit different and, you know, use a lot of different skills. Most of the data quality programs I've seen within institutions, um, you know, focus mostly on structured data on a narrow band. Um, more often than not, they're driving some type of important report or some type of regulatory submission. And they really only deal with people in the data, you know, CDO's office, the finance office, the risk office. Um, so it's a fairly limited impact to the organization, maybe some operations folks at most. But you have to wonder, you know, what will happen when unstructured data becomes more mainstream? I mean, will an organization really be prepared? Yeah, you know, Bob, I, I worry about the same. Uh, as you said before, data quality processes and approaches, they've largely been defined because of regulatory needs. It has less been defined by uh, businesses that have been uh, taking decisions for a, on large volumes of data, uh, especially involving people who are on the field and involving their decisions. Uh, when it comes to such large volumes of data, quality has almost been sidelined as a secondary uh, objective, and they have focused more on agility um, in a lot of places. And, and, and this is basically, uh, where we almost see that there is no automation, while automation could have really helped uh, drive data quality while they also drove decisions. So I think it is important that we talk about how we measure these data quality at scale. Okay, well with that, let's spend the next few minutes exploring the different measurement techniques associated with each of those three data types and, and where we have opportunities for automation. In my experience, I see data really as living in two worlds. You know what we call data in motion and data at rest. I see this as a fundamental way to start thinking about and evaluating data quality. Certainly, Bob. Um, I think when we think about data in motion, uh, this is what I would call the realm of the data engineers. Uh, this is a new band of engineers that have emerged in the last, I would say, five to 10 years, uh, especially with the, the birth of the big data. And these are people who are really focused on moving data from point A to point B, or from system A to system B, or making sure that the data flows from third parties into the institution. And they're really asking fundamental questions like, I was expecting a million records to come today, did it really come? I was expecting this file to be 50 gigabytes, is it 50 gigabytes? So these are really structural questions that they are asking about data and making sure that those structural operational parameters are indeed captured. So with data in motion, it's more a core set of operational information about what was sent and what was received, not what's in the data set, right? You're, you're absolutely right. So this, this basically this approach is, think of it like a first step in preventing data quality issues. 
So we are really looking at the structural, operational aspects of the data itself. And the hope is that if we can catch something early on, we can potentially prevent downstream issues. If I expected a file to be 50 gigabytes and it happens to be zero gigabytes, I should definitely be looking at what the problem is before I send it to the business and let them worry about what's in the file. And the interesting thing about the structural attributes of files is it really doesn't depend upon whether it's structured data, unstructured data, or semi-structured data. These attributes are applicable across the board, and we could be monitoring a, a series of photos and expecting a certain number of photos, the size of the photos. All of those should come through, and before it even goes to rest where the business would actually be asking what's in the data, the engineering side, the data engineering side can ask all of the important questions like, what's the data volume? What is the frequency at which it should be coming? What should be the size of the data? Is there a timestamp on it? And is there a timestamp looking good? Is there a length to the data? If it was an audio file, if it's a video, can, we can even look at some of those attributes of the file itself and make sure that even before the business gets into the data, the data is looking good. Okay. Well, I mean, that seems pretty straightforward. Um, so when data comes to rest somewhere, we've already verified that the data doesn't have any structural issues. Well, let's pivot a little bit and let's now get into checking the data itself. Let's explore this from both a structured and unstructured perspective. Yeah, so that, that, that's spot on. So once we get to the uh, get the structural attributes of the file done, so now you can almost think of the file being ready for business to consume. This is the part where if it is structured data, I would say it is somewhat simple because now the market is mature enough that we could buy existing tools in the marketplace, not yet for big data, but at least for a manageable volume of data, we can look at some of the attributes that are in the in the data file, we can look at the metadata of the file, and we can do a few important tests, like for example, consistency. Is the data looking consistent today from what we ex expected yesterday and the months before? We have a lot of data, historic data, I can look for consistency. Null values is a great example. I expect a certain number of blanks or zeros to come through in my file, is it consistent? Or has something happened to the null values? Or, or am I getting more blanks? That is quite possible with sensor data. When a sensor fails, you will see a lot of null values come through. We need to make sure that that is correct. And this is not a structural check. This is more of a business checking that the temperature is indeed correct. Uh, we could look at deviation of the data. The data deviates a lot from what we expect. Then we definitely need to be uh, checking and seeing what is going on. A great example is that IRS is checking every field in the 1099s and in the 1040 returns, making sure that on an individual by individual basis, the numbers don't deviate a lot. If they deviate, it is potential trigger for audit. I'm not saying they do, but it could be a potential trigger for audit. Um, that goes to speak about drift. Deviation and drift are very closely aligned. Business always evolves. When business evolves, data will drift. If you are not monitoring for the drift, it is quite possible we will unnecessarily send some data quality alerts, or we may not catch certain data quality alerts and end up missing them. Okay, well, I mean, that seems pretty straightforward for the rows and the columns, but is it possible to use the same metrics for unstructured data? It is possible, but before we do that, uh, unstructured data needs uh, massaging of the data. And, and why, why I say that is, 
unstructured data is not created equal in the eyes of the consumer. Um, it could be the same photo where I'm looking for a different answer and you are looking for a different answer. So unstructured data needs to get converted into some structured attribute that we are looking for within that data. So that way we can put all of the measures that we just talked about on that attribute that we extracted from the file. It could be um, you know, a photo in a uh, loan document. You are sometimes looking for, did that photo appear in some other loan document? Is there some forgery? The check that I would do for that is very different than if I were to look for the number of uh, ships that are in a port, which gives me the occupancy of the port, which I could be using for making a completely different decision. So unstructured data requires a little bit more fine-tuning of the business case before we can really get into the quality attributes. You've got a really great example of um, where you actually looked at, at signature verification, didn't you? That's right, that's right. Um, and some of the folks might be familiar with a, a very interesting uh, solution that KPMG built. Uh, this was for the uh, LIBOR use case. And uh, if you guys are familiar, there is this uh, LIBOR, which is the London Interbank uh, Operating Rates, which is a metric that has been used in the financial service industry for a very long period of time. Um, it is being sunset in the next year or so. So all the institutions that have written contracts, very, very complex contracts, with trillions of dollars at stake, are trying to figure out whether how many times does a LIBOR rate appear within a contract. And KPMG built a solution uh, that we can use today to run it on contracts and extract the terms of the contract by looking through it. But one of the problems we face is, if the contract is all text that can be extracted from an image, it's easy to do. But sometimes what we see is these scanned images have signatures on it, they have written uh, text on it, and all these things actually throw off our algorithms that are looking for those attributes in there. So a lot, lot of times we will go to the client and we'll ask them, hey, do you have documents that don't have any handwritten material? And guess what? They will tell us one thing, but only to realize later that it doesn't have happen. So we had to build a verifier which actually looks for whether there are handwritten materials on images. And interestingly enough, the downstream model that we built for extracting those attributes from the files their performance shot up from 50% to almost 80% when we were able to remove these sheets that had handwritten material in it. So it's literally, it's an interesting data quality issue mm -hmm. in the unstructured world, but as yeah. you can see from this example, it had to be handcrafted for that one particular right. business problem that we were that's solving. A, that's for. a long way from a simple checking for a null value that's in right. the field, isn't it? <laughs> Well, there's also another aspect of this which, which complicates this a little bit more, which is that not all the data quality issues are, are created equal. So whether you're structured or unstructured, you know, for instance, medical data would need a, a very high bar for quality, uh, whereas you know, feeding a movie recommendation engine yeah, you know, not so much, right? Um, so in the past, you know, we've talked a lot about data quality controls being fit for purpose, data governance being fit for purpose, and certainly this is the case here. So hopefully through this discussion, you get a sense of that data quality varies as much as the data that it's meant to control. 
And in this episode, we've hit the treetops on this critical data quality topic. And in our next episode, we're going to explore the importance of creating a culture of data quality and governance. And that wraps another episode of The Art of Data Science. If you have questions you'd like answered on this podcast, please email them to artofdatascience at kpmg.com. Thanks for listening.